Good morning. It is good to see you here this morning. It's good to be in the house. Amen. Amen. Uh, nobody's got their pajamas on. This is, this is cool. Um, I know that some of you watching at home are, as, are wondering, uh, what's it like there? Is, is it safe for me to come back? So I thought I'd just describe for you. We have taken out half the seats in the sanctuary, and we have clustered them in uh, like three or four seats in a, in a grouping to kind of spread people out. Uh, as, I'm, as I'm looking out here, we're uh, a little less than 50% of those seats are filled. So there's plenty of seats, especially in the back over there and uh, around in the front and on the sides uh, the, where there's nobody around. You'll be safe if you come here next week. So just, just want you to know that. Uh, I know I get the question, did people wear masks? And I was observing as people came in, and I'm guessing... Uh, well over half of the people, most of the people here, wore masks coming in, took them off when they got to their seat. So I just want to say that for you. Um, wear your mask when you come. When you get to your seat, you'll be six feet from somebody else. You don't have to wear that at that point. And then when, as you leave in fellowship, you can put it back on. Okay? Uh, one of the things that we've done since uh, we're celebrating our church's 40th anniversary is uh, we have set a goal for ourselves of 40 souls we're going to see 40 souls come to Christ between now and the end of the year. We've got plenty of time to do that. And 40, if you stop and think about it, really isn't that many. Uh, so we are, that's, that's our goal. We're shooting toward that. So what we are doing as a church is we are praying that God will give us 40 souls, 40 people who will make a decision for Christ. That doesn't mean these are 40 new people in our church because it might be somebody you work with and you've been praying for them, and now you're going to take advantage, you're going to share your faith with them and bring them into the kingdom. And they may not even come to our church. Maybe they start going to a Methodist church someplace. Uh, that's okay with us as long as they're coming to Christ. So we're counting that. I'm keeping a, a list on my, on my desk. So as, as you have opportunity of seeing somebody come to Christ, let me know. Send me an email or a text or tell me. Let me know so I can add that. That's, that's our goal. And as of right now, we have 19 people who have done that out of our goal of 40. So we're almost half there. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. Amen. So today uh, we're, we're talking, we're in this series, Adam, Pastor Adam started it last week, where we're talking about uh, keys of the kingdom. These things that, that don't just come naturally, but they're a key. If we can grab a hold of this key, we will see God do great and mighty things. So what are these keys of the kingdom that he's promised to every believer? And today I want to talk about the key of humility. It's a key. If we can understand what humility is, if we can apply it to our own life, it's like a key going into a lock. And as you apply, apply that humility, it turns the lock and God fights your battles for you. He's not going to fight your battles for you if you keep trying to fight them yourself. Humility is when you let God fight your battles and you stop trying to win your own fight. That's humility. So we want to talk about, we're going, the rest of the time, we're going to talk about humility and what that looks like, how that applies to our life, why that's important. So uh, the first one, first of five, if you want to write this down, there is a reward for humility. It's not just an attitude you ought to have. There's something that comes out of being humble, of humbling yourself. For example, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. 
We want to have life, don't we? Sure, we want to have life. We want to live life to the fullest, not just squeak by. We want to, we want to live this life to the full. So I got to thinking about this humility thing, and do we really see it modeled in the Bible? And what does it look like when it's modeled? And I, I thought about some, some of these cases and made some notes here. I'm reminded of the time when Jesus came upon this blind man. And the blind man wanted healed. So Jesus went up to him and he spit in the mud. He spit in the dust and made mud and smeared it on the man's eyes. Now, if somebody tries to do that with me, no way. I'm going to stand up to them. I just, I take a shower every morning. I want to make sure that I don't have mud in my eye. Jesus came along and put it there. Didn't Jesus know that's humiliating? Yes, he did. It's a key. Being humiliated is how you get humble. If you don't humble yourself, God will set it up for you to get humbled. And I don't like it when God sets me up to get humbled. I've had that happen a few times, and I got a sneaky suspicion I'm not the only one in the room that's been humiliated. So, Jesus models humility. Here's, here's another example. It's in the Old Testament here. It's a story of a man by the name of Naaman. Remember him? Come on. Naaman was not an Israelite, and he was angry at the Israelites. He had been a former enemy of them. He was kind of uh, at war with them. And he picked up this serious case of leprosy. This leprosy really held him back. He couldn't be what he wanted to be. He was kind of in isolation because everybody thought it, it was like COVID. It was contagious and everybody was afraid to be around him and he didn't like that. So, didn't know what to do, but this young Israelite girl who had been taken as a slave in battle was over there with Naaman, and she said, you know, back in my home, home where I come from, there's this, there's this prophet, and he speaks on behalf of God, and I believe he could probably heal you of this leprosy. So Naaman went to Elijah the prophet, and Elijah says, what you need to do is you need to go down to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman says... The Jordan River, that's over there in Israel. We got some nice, pristine, pure waters over here in my territory. I'm not going to go over there to, to Israel and dunk myself in that muddy water. No way. So he goes back home mad, dejected, and still has leprosy. And that little young slave girl comes up to him again, and she says, Well, you know, you're not getting any better here going to those rivers. What, it, since, since you're at your wit's end, you're at the end of your rope, you have no place else to go, why don't you just go give it a try? So he said, well, I might as well. So he went over to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times, and when he came out the seventh time, his leprosy was gone. He was healed. Humility. He had to humble himself. He had to set aside his pride in what he thought was the answer, what he thought was the right thing, and do this God's way. 
And it's, it, this is what humility is for us. We have to set aside our stubborn self-righteousness the way that we think it ought to be done, the way that we think is the proper thing, and we have to do this God's way. And God will set us up with opportunities to be humble. Another example of humility is, is that woman who came to Jesus, and Jesus was coming through. There was this big, big uh, parade as everybody's coming into town, and everybody's cheering him, and everybody's pressing in. There's crowds around him, and, and this woman has a health issue. She's hemorrhaging. She's had this bleeding issue for years. And she says to herself, I know I'm a woman, and I know I'm unclean, and I know Jesus, and the people won't let me anywhere near. But if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I don't need to see his face. He doesn't need to lay his hands on me. He doesn't need to take me anyplace. If I can just, if I can just get down low enough to touch the hem of his garment, I'm convinced I'll be clean. So she worked her way up through the crowd, and she got up there and took the humble position of bowing down and just touched the hem of his garment. Instantly she was healed and Jesus turned and said, who touched me? Everybody's touching you, Lord. What kind of question is that? Something's gone out of me. He had to make the connection. He didn't want that woman sneaking off just being glad she was healed. He wanted a testimony. Who, who touched me? We're going to make this a public thing. We're going to hear this testimony of this great thing that God's done in your life. There is a reward for humility. If you and I will voluntarily humble ourselves, there's something we get back out of it. It's a key to the kingdom. Put the key in and turn it and the door opens up. God wants to bless us with favor and he does that with humble people. Not proud, arrogant people, but humble ones. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Here's the second thing I want us to see about humility. Humility is something that covers us. It's like a, it's like a jacket. It's like a, a blanket pulled up over your shoulders. It covers us. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, he says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. That's humility. All of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You see, God fights our battles when we take the low road, when we take the lower position, when we submit ourselves to him, as long as we keep fighting to try to make ourselves victorious, God just lets us swing away. When we take the humble position, God fights our battles for us. And he comes in swinging on our behalf. Now, I want to be in those kind of battles. And so... It's not about me showing everybody how, how tough I am and how many Bible verses I've memorized and, and, and uh, how, how loud I can pray in tongues. It's about me submitting myself under God. That's what it's about. A couple examples. When Jesus came into the world, when he entered the world to be our Savior, how did he come? There wasn't a lot of fanfare. There wasn't a lot of attention. 
He was born into poverty as a baby, completely naked, completely helpless, totally dependent on a man and a woman to take care of him. God chose to humble himself. God, the creator of the universe, took the low position because he wanted to identify with us. And when he accomplished that great deed of redemption for the whole world, what did it look like? It looked like a man beaten, bloodied, swollen, nailed to a cross, completely naked. He didn't have a loincloth on. He left this life exactly as he came in. Humiliated. Humiliating. Jesus knows how to get God involved in his battles. And when he took the humble position, God had no problem in stepping in, fighting his battles, and raising him from the dead. Here's, a, here's another good example of this. The prodigal son. Remember that rascal? Father took good care of him. Father taught him how to, how to make it in life taught him how to be successful, taught him how to, uh, to take care of the, the herds and the flocks. But uh, the prodigal son had a better plan. He wanted to do it his way. Father, give me my share of the inheritance right now. What's the inheritance? It's what the father worked hard for. I know when you're going to die someday, God, that I'm going to get a part of that. I understand that. But give me my share now. I don't have the patience to wait until you die. I want it now. So the father did what, what, did what I wouldn't do. Gave him his share of the inheritance. Knowing what his irresponsible son was going to do. Son went out, partied with it. Had lots of fun with his friends. But as soon as the money was gone, so were his friends. He ended up having to go get a job slopping the hogs. And finally it dawned on him, maybe there's a better way to do this. This isn't working like I thought it was going to work. But back on dad's plantation, he's always got food in the, bunk, food in the mess hall. He's always got a bed in the bunkhouse. There's always a place for me. That's a lot better than me over here. I think I'm going to go back to my father and see if he'll hire me like one of those hired hands that he always treated so well. And when he got back, his father jumped off the porch, ran down to him, threw his arms around him, embraced him, and put that ring representing authority, family authority back on his finger, put a robe on him, took care of him, and welcomed him back into the family. The son had to humble himself. And God will allow us to go way down the wrong road to humble us because that's the only way he can get back into family to be humbled and you and I have to be humbled one way or another humility is something that covers us here's number three humility is the door to wisdom we, we all know the difference between knowledge and wisdom you know, what we, we, you can go to college and get several degrees and have lots of knowledge, but if you don't know what to do with that knowledge, you don't have wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. Wisdom's more valuable than knowledge yes. because you don't have to have a lot of stuff if you have the wisdom and know how to work with next to nothing. 
Humility is the door to wisdom. Proverb 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. So we have, we have uh, a, cu- a couple people here who want to be successful in life. And they both go to work on being successful in life. And then tragedy comes to both of them. One of them who doesn't have wisdom thinks it's the end of the world. Thinks there's hopelessness now. There's no, I'm never going to be able to get that back. But the person that has humility knows that God fights their battles. And even if I've taken a loss here, God is going to redeem what I've lost. People of faith understand God's in charge. And no matter how bad it is today, it's going to be good tomorrow. People that don't know that God's in charge think it's all about them. And when they lose, when they lose that job, when the stock market collapses, they think it's the end of the world because they don't understand there's a God who fights the battles for us. That's why believers should be people of peace no matter what's happening around us. And non-believers aren't people of peace. So we need, to, we need to learn to ask this question. What would Jesus do? When that person mistreats me, I need to say... What would Jesus do if that person would have done that to them? We need to keep putting ourselves in Jesus' sandals. What would he do? Think, think, think things through from Jesus' perspective. That's humility. Letting God deal with you. Jesus didn't just, when somebody gave him a hard time, he didn't just pick up a stick and club them. He dealt with them to help them become better people. That's what we should be. Helping people become better. I'm remi- wisdom. So I'm, I'm reminded of this story that Jesus told, this parable, about a farmer that went out and he sowed wheat in his field. And when the, feet, when the wheat began to grow, come up out of the ground, began to grow, the workers noticed there's a bunch of weeds in there. Somebody, your enemy, has gone out there and sowed weeds on top of the wheat. Now they're growing together. You want us to go out there and pull up the weeds? Here's wisdom. Jesus says, no, no. Let's not pull up the weeds because then we'll pull up the wheat too. Everything will be stunted. We won't have much of a harvest. Let them grow together. And then in the harvest time, we'll separate them out. You see the wisdom here? Because what we do in our culture, if we're worldly-minded, is we want to silence all the people that don't think like we think. They're they're the weeds, right? And we want to silence them. We don't want to hear any other opinions. We only want to hear people that that think the way we think. We want to pull up the weeds. But Jesus says, if you let the weeds grow along side by side with the wheat, it challenges the wheat. It allows the wheat to get strong. So when you and I have to interact with people that think opposite of us, people that, 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 that have different opinion than us, when we want to yank them up out of the ground, all we do is stunt our own growth. Because in the middle of the challenge, God will cause us to grow and mature. I'm reminded of uh, this guy full of demons. And Jesus went to deliver him. 
And Jesus confronted him, cast those demons out, and the man was set free. And all the people around were looking at him delivered, looking at him set free. And they said, isn't this the guy who's always out here like a nutcase cutting himself and he's uh, uh, suicidal? Isn't, Isn't that the guy? And the man came to Jesus in a sound mind, had it all back together again. And he came to Jesus and he says, Lord, make me one of your disciples I want to come with you. Let me come along with you with the disciples. Grand place to be, because everywhere Jesus went, there was lots of praise that went to God. The disciples were surrounded with that praise. It was a glorious thing to walk with Jesus wherever he went. He wants to go. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go back to your own home, your own family. I want you to go back there. And tell everybody what great things God has done for you. Go tell your story. Go tell your testimony. But Lord, I want some of the glamour. I want some of the glory. No, go back home. Tell the people that already have a relationship with you what has changed you, what's made you great. That's a good word for each of us. If we want God to fight our battles for us, we don't go seeking the glory. Seek humility. And then God fights your battles for you. All right, here's number four. I got to move. Humility dissolves haughtiness. You know what a haughty spirit is? Got nose up in the air. The Pharisees were like that. Had their nose up in the air. Pastor Chet says over in Indonesia... The radical Muslims are just like that, walking around with their nose up in the air. So spiritual, so spiritual. Humility dissolves that haughtiness. Proverb 18.12 says, Before a downfall, the heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. If you want to be honored... Get humble. Let God lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. Let God do it. Dissolves haughtiness. When Jesus wanted to minister to his disciples, he didn't sit around and tell them how to think how uh, super spiritually, how to quote scriptures. He taught them how to be humble. He got them all around together, and he took off his garment got a towel, and he went around, and he washed their muddy feet, stinky feet. Everything that they had been walking on would attach itself between the toes and between their feet and the sandals and get ground in. Jesus went around every one of them and washed their feet. That's not, that's, that's not what the leader does. That's what the servant does. You pay the servant to wash people's feet. It's, it's, a, it's a low pan position. It's a low dignified position. And Jesus did it, showing us how to humble ourselves. Oh, and I, I, I got to tell this story. There's this Gentile woman who came to Jesus 
and asked Jesus to do something that was important to her. She wasn't a, a Jew. She was a Gentile. And Jesus said, I've come to reach the lost sheep of Israel. That's who I come for. And she says, but I really need you to do this. He wasn't going to do it. He said, it's not for me to give the bread to the dogs. He just called her a dog. Jesus is humiliating her. He is putting her down. And she says, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs under the children's table. She was willing to humble herself, and she got her answer. Jesus gave her exactly what she was seeking because she humbled herself. It dissolves haughtiness. Here's number five, the last one. Humility is, oops, excuse me, I got six. This is <laughs> number five. Now I really got to go. Um, humility is walking with God. Micah 6 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Not just walk humbly, but walk humbly with your God. We are in partnership. When we invite, the, when we invite Jesus to be our Savior, a part of that deal is the Holy Spirit coming inside of us, which changes the way we see God. It makes it personal. That's what the Spirit does. Jesus saves us. God creates us. But the Holy Spirit sanctifies us internally. Works a change on the inside. And we realize God's walking with us to walk humbly with my God. So what does it mean to humble yourself? It means to see God as your master. You're the servant. I'm here to serve God. I represent God. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I've, everything I do, no matter what I find myself in, I'm here to serve God. So I need to ask myself, okay, how can I serve God? How can I make God look good here? How can I make him a little more famous? How can I influence other people with this God awareness? That's what he's called us to do. That's our, that's our ministry. We need to see ourselves as a servant. And if we'll see ourselves as a servant, we do what the master asks us to do. We go where the master sends us. And he'll, he might send us to Walmart, might send us to Kroger, might send us to the gas station, might send us to church. And wherever we go, we keep our radar up. Okay, Lord, where, what do you want me to do here? What do you want to show me here? What do you want to teach me here? What do you want me to say to somebody here? And we keep, we keep our eyes always open looking for that. I think one of the greatest examples of God requiring humility in the whole Bible is what he did with the children of Israel. He led them out of Egypt. He set them free, led them out of Egypt, led them out to a place where he gave them a law. This is the way, this, this is the book. This is how I want you to live your life. And he set the standard for them. 
And then he says, now, we've established a priest. I want you to get all the men of Israel, not the women, because they'll follow the men, but get all the men and march all the men down to where the priest is. And the priest is going to take a sharp rock and he's going to circumcise every one of you. Talk about humiliation. God requires this of every leader. You can't lead if you haven't been humbled. So he required everybody to be circumcised. I'd rather find another way. Wouldn't you? Let me go to number six. Here's my last one. Humility is a key to getting your prayers answered. Listen to this. Second Chronicles chapter 7, 13 and 14. God says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or set a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is a promise we can hang on to and take to the bank today. When a plague comes to the land, if my people, not the bad guys, not the the pundits in the news media, if my people, the Christians, if my people will humble themselves and pray. And I I always thought, well, humbling myself means I pray. The Lord showed me something different as I was thinking about this and I was praying about this. Humble ourselves is something distinct from praying. And I was, I was thinking about this the other, the other week. And I thought, I don't want to wear a mask. You know, I'd, wearing a mask communicates that I'm a liberal, Right? Wearing a mask communicates that I'm, that I'm afraid, right? Come on. Wearing a mask communicates that, that, that it's, it's, it's a weakness in me. And I don't want to communicate any of those things. Because I'm a person of faith. Yep. But the Lord showed me one of the keys to this plague. Putting a mask on. And I thought... I'd rather do that than be circumcised. I can do this. 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 So I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to put a mask on, which I'm going to do as soon as we're finished here. There's amen in a little bit. Not because I'm afraid of you, but because I want to humble myself before God. And if he's, if he's given me an... If he's given me an antidote, I'm going to take that thing. Because we live in a tough world, don't we? We live in a difficult world. Let's stand together. My guess is, somewhere along the line in this message, God's spoken to you. 
there's probably an area where God wants to humble you. And you realize that you've been a little bit on the arrogant side. And God wants to fight our battles. He really does. Will we let him? That's the question. So think about the battle you're dealing with right now. Think about that battle in your life. Think about it. Heavenly Father, I want to pray right now for this particular battle that we're fighting. God, whatever it is, it's, a, it's, it's an aspect that we find ourselves right into, God. And it's, it's tearing us up. It's a, it's a difficult battle. And we've been trying to fight it and getting no place. And Lord, we just want to surrender to you. We want to make you Lord of our lives. We want to be your servants. Show us what you want us to do. Show us what you want us to say. Show us how you want to behave and how we can make this world a better place just because we're here. You've taught us things. Show us what what to do with the things you've taught us. Father, if there's an area that's a stronghold and it's standing in the way of your blessing, we ask that you will remove that right now in Jesus' name. Remove that. Show us what we need to do to remove it. Father, we hear your voice. We hear you speaking to us. Help us to submit. Help us to be humble. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.